This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Today on the Parenting ADHD podcast, we're talking with Leslie Jossel of Order Out of Chaos about organizing kids with ADHD. And I think this is a huge topic. We could probably have several episodes of the podcast on this to really try to help our kids who are innately challenged in the area of planning and organization. So I'm going to introduce Leslie to you and then we'll get started. Leslie is a successful entrepreneur, author, and internationally acclaimed speaker. She's the creator of the award-winning academic planner, A Tool for Time Management, which is a planner that helps students develop and master time management skills. She's also the author of the award-winning book, What's the Deal with Teens and Time Management? A parent's step-by-step guide to help teach their teams the time management skills they need in order to succeed. Leslie brought Order Out of Chaos to life from a very personal mission. She's the mother of a time and organizationally challenged teen who was diagnosed with ADHD. She founded the company over a decade ago with the goal of providing professional organizing, time management, and coaching services, as well as family education and products and resources to families with similar struggles. A respected resource on ADHD and executive functioning in students, Leslie speaks and conducts workshops internationally to parent and educator groups on a variety of topics facing students today. Leslie's also been featured in national broadcast and print media, such as the Hallmark Channel's The Better Show, Forbes Magazine, The Associated Press, and Family Circle Magazine. Most recently, she was featured in Forbes for their Women at Forbes series and chosen as one of Acquisition International's 2016 Most Influential Business Women in Special Education Needs. Thanks for joining us today, Leslie. I'm really excited for you to share your insights. I'm so happy to be here. I love talking to you. You know that. <laughs> Thank you. So, I, you know, I alluded a little bit to the fact that most kids with ADHD are very challenged in the area of organization and planning. Do you find that that's the case in your practice? Um, so, but yes, I do. But it's interesting because, you know, I always tell people I never talk in absolutes. You know what I mean? Like not mm-hmm. every kid has it, but I find right. that I think the issue is that it's the thing that is the most visible. So therefore, it's the thing parents really like focus on and perseverate on because you know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. I see the the papers and the knapsack and the room and the house. So it really, to me, is probably the biggest thing we hear about the most in our work because I think it is the most visible both at home and at school. Absolutely. And it really can be very pervasive in all aspects of your life and your functioning. Yes. You know, we notice it all the time because look, I see it in even our data, like you and I are organized people, but if I don't even stop 
during the week or during the day and say, okay, I need to take five minutes to organize my, the paper, organize my time, then I feel like my right arm is cut off. I feel like I'm not walking a straight line. Right. So imagine those that have those deficiencies, it's the problem is even the problem is even greater. It's chaos all the time, all the time. And you always feel like you're catching up or you're missing something. And that's an awful way to be mm-hmm. and an awful way to live. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to talk a little bit about executive functioning and what role that plays in planning and organizational sure. skills? Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny. I don't I don't know always the time if parents, you know, take that hand in hand. Well, we know what executive, you know, I don't, we could spend till next Tuesday talking about executive functions, but I'm going to, I'm going to do, I always say it's like my reader digest version. So we know very simply that executive functions control how we act. Um, And everyone has different definitions. Some people will break them down into 40. I like to break them down only into six categories, but the biggest one is organization and time management. And that's the first one that we talk a lot about because, again, I think it's the most visible and particularly the one we see the most in kids. And when I work one-on-one with parents, it's the one where I get a parent who will say to me, my child is 13. They should be able to fill in the blank, organize their papers, clean up their room, put stuff away. That's all an organization task. And what I try to teach parents is that you really need to focus on the behavior. I'm sorry, you need to focus on the brain and not the behavior. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I love to quote Russell Barkley because, you know, he's the man. He is the man. Mm-hmm. But he talks all the time about if your child has any type of executive function deficiency, they're going to be about 30 percent less their age, chronological age in that deficiency. So what exactly. is that? So what does that mean for us? It means that if you have a 13-year-old at home who is really, really organizationally challenged, they're not going, they might be 13 and all their 13-ness, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I'm saying? Attitude. They, right. Attitude, <laughs> even maybe athletically, all of that, right. even socially. But they're going to be nine when it comes to their organizing skill and how you're going to support that nine-year-old, how you're going to scaffold that nine-year-old, what you're going to expect from the nine-year-old is very different than a 13-year-old. So that whole mindset has to be there before we can just throw an organizing solution at a a student and think they're just going to be able to get it. So I always, right? Don't, to me, you have to start the dialogue there. Yeah, and and we don't talk about ADHD as a developmental disorder, but it is a developmental disorder. It is a difference in the brain that causes skills to be lagging or insufficient. So the fact that your child isn't organized, that their room is messy, doesn't mean that they don't care. It just means that there's a difference in their brain and they're functioning on a lower level in that area. Right. A hundred percent. Now, so take that and now let's build on that and say, because this is the other part of the equation. I love doing this with you because you still get it. So now let's move to second part of this. And this isn't to disparage parents. We're all great parents. We're all trying really hard. It's just to educate you. So the next part of that is, and you probably hear this too. I, you know, I, I, I organize, I pretend I'm the parent here. I organize this way. And I'm trying to teach my child this way. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he or she is just not getting it. And I'm like, exactly. Because the other piece of that puzzle is how you learn 
is how you organize. So interesting enough, and I always tell this anecdote, is that when I first joined the National Association of Professional Organizers 12 years ago, because that's where I first started, you know, before I took my, you know, my career elsewhere, whatever, the first class we all have to take is on learning styles. Mm-hmm. How interesting, not on how to organize something, but on learning styles, because you might be a filer, I might be a piler, you might be a revealer, I might be a concealer. So how you do something isn't going to work for me. And so there's going to be that budding of, I don't either want to do it that way, or I don't get it. It doesn't feel right for me. Exactly. So, and that's something we try to educate parents on too, is that, you know, You've got to tap in a little bit, play a little I spy, see what else in your child's life is working for them. What is it that's working? Now let's see if we can take those, maybe some of those principles and move them into an organizing system that works for them. Maybe your child likes things visual. Maybe he likes, you know, maybe you can put things on the wall. Maybe that's his thing. He likes his airspace so you can, you know, hang multiple, you know, cork boards and bulletin boards and have stuff, you know, visual. Maybe you can't see behind me, but I don't keep my supplies in drawers away. They're in clear bins that I have drawers that I can pull in and out. So maybe for your child, what he doesn't see doesn't exist. So you need to do mm-hmm. things that way. It's right. it's really trying to tap into what works for them. Yeah, I um, read The Organized Student by Donna Goldberg years ago. And that is one point that she hammers home in that book is that what works for the parent isn't necessarily going to work for the student. So when you go to purchase supplies to organize them, you need to let them take the lead and they need to have every bit as much input into that system and what you're putting together. Otherwise, if they don't own it, they're not going to be able to use it. And yet what I what I find very interesting, too, is students have a visceral reaction to what works for them. So I not not everything, unfortunately, you can find in stores. So what I'll do a lot is what I I don't do this anymore. I don't go to people's homes like I used to. But when I used to do this type of work, I used to bring my let's make a deal bag. I would put out samples of everything, clear, color, accordion, Binder, master, little, big, you name it. And what was in me, I would lay it out nicely on a table so it wasn't just a mishmash. And you would be amazed at a student who would stand and go, I love that. All of a sudden, like eyes mm-hmm. light up. Stand, oh my goodness, I want to use that. And I'm like, tell me why. And they would be able to really be able to explain, I like that it's color. I, I really love color. I like that it's calm looking. I love that I can see through it. I love that it only has five pockets and not 20 pockets. I like, you'd be amazed that if you put things out and let your child kind of look at things that they really do gravitate the same way you gravitate to what works, what works for you. Right. That's a great idea. Yeah, and I imagine doing it in that setting rather than in the store is a whole lot yes. less overwhelming. Way more, way less overwhelming. And again, you can buy, you know, look, buy things that are returnable. Exactly. But put things, but put things out, organize them in a way that makes sense, and you'd be amazed at what they what they really gravitate to. It's a mm-hmm. fun, fun thing to see. But if you just ask them verbally, no. do you want clear folders or colored? Yeah. I don't know. I don't you know. know. Yeah, I don't know what to do. And we also know for students with ADHD, decision, decision, open-ended decision-making, 
very mm-hmm. difficult. Yep. Right? Right? I Another mean, executive the, function. Exactly. I mean, I only stuck on the organization one because I know we only have a certain amount of time, but we could be here till next Tuesday, you and I. Yeah. Talking about all of them. But think about it. I know that that decision making is very taxing on the brain. So actually being able to see things in a, in a calm, see it also. Um, it helps the brain because they're not trying to formulate an answer in their brain. They can actually see things and be able to hopefully make a decision that works for them. So that's the other reason why I like doing it visually as opposed to as opposed to verbally. Yeah. Yeah. I love having all those different options and setting them out in front of them. It's yeah. a really, so I, really valuable idea. Yes. So, so good. So if we play off of that idea maybe you can give parents some um examples i know that we're going to give away to the listeners a a list of all of leslie's recommended products for this but um if you could just give you know and you did there a little bit some examples of some products for students that tend to work better maybe for kids with adhd sure do you want do you want like things in the home or things, you mean products for school? Like, is that what you mean? I like, would say like, school is probably school. the Perfect. the Perfect. overwhelming no need for most of us. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I hear you, honey. Yep, <laughs> I hear yep. you. Trust me, I hear you. So I have a few rules of thumb before, before we get into specifics. And again, my rules of thumb are not, uh, and again, not for everyone. There are, we, there are kids that have executive functioning challenges that happen to be organized. There are kids that can handle multiple items. But I am all about, before I do anything, I'm really about trying to simplify the supplies as much as I can. And I really want to talk about this before we go into specifics. Because I know Absolutely. some of the cha- because I know some of the challenge we face is the teacher sends home the list. The yes. list. Yes. Right? Oh, the we, list. But uh, the list and the list is anxiety producing. It, it used to be for me because mm-hmm. it did not work for my kids. Now I'm not even talking about my students. I'm talking about my own children. It did not work for them. My son had a very specific way that he liked to organize his stuff. And and I'm not disparaging students, uh, parents, I, I, uh, teachers. Okay, Leslie, get the right word out. <laughs> teachers, they have to have something to give to everybody. I know that. But I've been right. doing this for 12 years, and I have never met a teacher who does not want their students to be organizationally successful. So if you have found something that truly, truly works for your child, don't feel you can't send them a teacher an email and say, we're so excited to share this with you. You know, we're going to show you what it is. But and, you know, go on and tell them what it is and say, you know, please, obviously, if you have questions, contact me. But we're hoping that you're going to join us, you know, that you'll be OK with this and join us on this journey to make Johnny more organizationally successful. Yep. We do when, it every when, year. We do it every year. And when we're partners with the teacher and bring them in as our partner. We Mm -hmm. usually get wonderful, wonderful feedback. So I need to say that as much as you can simplify, the better. That's number one. I will still go on record always and say clear is king. That's number two. There's still ways to bring color. If your child is a color-coded kid, still make it a color, but being able to see through it. I think the principle of if they don't see it, it doesn't exist is paramount. So as much as you can do that, is 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 great now 
the things that I love to use are, I have a few things. For middle school kids in particular, if they are inundated with paper, I actually really like a master binder. I like that there is one binder, sometimes maybe two if they Mm -hmm. want to do it AM or PM. I tend to go with that because it's an easier, you know, if there's only one place to find things, we're usually better off. But along with that, I use some other tools. I love the Duo binder. Um, It's a great, and I have pictures of it on the sheet that, you know, your your listeners are going to get. What I love about it is it's a binder and an accordion file in one. Mm -hmm. So, which, because I've never met a child that likes a three-hole punch, ever. (laughs) So, ever. So, what I love about it is if you have a younger, younger student, like an elementary school student, some of them can only, only have to carry one Duo because you can make the pockets in the accordion maybe for each for each subject. For an older student, let's say a middle school or even high school, they can carry one duo binder for each of their classes and they can color code them if they love color. They come in a million different colors. But what I love is you open it up, you have the binder, you can write your notes, but then you open the second half of it and it's clear accordion and you can label the, the pockets and you can put a planner in there. You can put a, a folder even. You can put a, like a composition notebook for English class. You can even put a paperback you might be reading for school. So it's a great all-in-one. The other thing that I use a lot in our work are, they're called student sleeves. They're big sleeves. They're plastic. They're see-through. And if you do have a class, a student of yours has a class that does have multiple supplies that cannot be avoided. Let's say it's English and they have a folder and a binder, and the teacher wants them to have a composition notebook because they're writing about their work and they're reading a book. All of those supplies can go in one sleeve because most of the schools we work with, students are not allowed to carry their knapsacks in middle school. So we don't want papers on the floor. The other reason why we love that product is because we see this a lot, again, Teachers have a lot to do in the short amount of time they have your student. So we see a lot of times the students walking out of class, teachers handing in, handing back either maybe a quiz or the homework that they have to do for the next day. We want to get it into something so your student is organized enough and the student's sleeve allows them just to slide it right in so it's clear. It only takes them a step or two and all they have to do is grab that student's sleeve and take it home with them. They're only remembering the sleeve. And if they can see through the sleeve, they'll be able to see, oh, point of performance there. Oh, I have that math to do or, oh, this needs to go somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. it's a great I call it a great segue between home and school and home. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, we have that problem with not being able to carry a backpack in middle school. And so we started the master binder and um, my son and I'm sure many listeners can relate, is off the charts with his lack of organizational skills. Literally, in the executive functioning questionnaire, the brief, she had to place the dot at the very tippy top of the chart. (laughs) It was almost literally off the chart for organization. And so this has been just an ongoing battle for us for years. But what I figured out is for him, less is more. If we just expect him to get all of his papers in one binder and get that binder home, we can work on the rest exactly Um, that was my son in middle school yeah as long as it got into the master binder 
That's all it had to happen. And that was less taxing for him because it took that whole remembering to remember mm-hmm. out of the equation. Right. Right. Everything's in there. All I have to bring home is one thing. thing. You know, you and I can talk about this. And I I just did another type of like podcast like this with with someone else the other day. And we were all lamenting over these homework folders like we don't get them because it's another place to put something. It's another place to lose something. It's Mm -hmm. another place to forget something. Homework needs to be where homework with the subject so that there's no question. There's no Wait, what happened? Where did it go? What did I have? I don't remember. I don't remember. Which is another executive function. Yes. So, so, and then, you know, then the anxiety, the frustration, the crazy, you know, all that. So that's another executive. So we try to, I always say I am in the business of underwhelming students. So, good stuff. so if we can underwhelm them by having one place, we're usually going to be pretty successful in getting the stuff home. And then we'll deal with it at home. Right. Yeah. And we deal with it at home. (laughs) And it's still, you know, and still the planner's not used or, you know, there's there's certainly other challenges as well. For us, it's been um, a lack of support in the classrooms daily, you know, a consistent structure to help him form the habit. He's getting ready to finish eighth grade. I have fought for every single year. I'm sure you have. For a daily help. And, and, you know, by now we would have great habits if we had had that, um, just that little reminder at the end of every class. Did you write this down? Let me see it. Is your paper in your binder? And out the door. And that seems to be a huge challenge. And, you know, I understand they have lots of students, they have a short amount of time, they're teaching up until the bell. But, you know, on the flip side, this is a kid who needs this in order to succeed. Um, And so it's really important. And I think, you know, we've worked as hard as we can at home to give him the system that will work as good as it can under the parameters. And then we just have to kind of accept that. but I love that you said master binder because that's exactly oh. where we went. And like each class wants a binder for each subject. Well, I always ask the teachers every year to leave that binder in the classroom. Yes. So because they're just accumulating their work and their notes and what have you. And he would never get, you know, I tried years ago, color coded book and binder, go to your locker, get too much too that's too organized for him so you know you just keep paring it down until you figure out what works where the sweet spot is and for us for me for my son as well as my students less has always been more and the other thing i want to just tap into something you said about those questions of do you have and did you remember so for some of my students um again depending on the kind of binders they have so you can do it we will take either label tape or even like um, you can a post it that you can tape down or even a white like mm-hmm. whiteboard that you can cut and put it on the inside of a binder and write out those questions with the hope that there is again scaffolding and support. I always go back to this thing called point of performance. Where do they need it? They don't need it at home if you're in school. They need it right where. They are where they have to do the heavy lifting. Exactly. So, so if I can put something right there for them, whether it's a tag on the binder. I had one kid that did a luggage tag that mm. hook, 
hooked off of his master binder. So it was subtle and people couldn't really, some people just thought, oh, maybe it just has his name on it. You know what I mean? Things right. got lost. What it was, was the questions. Do you have, did you write down your homework? Do you have all your papers? That's a good idea. So, you know, those things at point of performance, mm -hmm. it's a great thing to do because, again, you know, it, it's just adding some visual support where your child needs it um, and extra reinforcement because the brain, the, you know, the brain is tired. Man, is it tired. And, you know, when, and when the brain is tired, the executive functions weaken. We know that. And remembering, yeah. goes, and remembering goes out the window. It's one of the, you know. I'm just saying that it's not research proven, but I kind of feel remembering is one of the first ones to go. Well, and stress and our kids are and under stress, a lot of stress at stress. school. Stress yeah. has a huge cognitive impact, negative 100%. impact. And right. 100%. So the more stressed they are about oh. being organized, the less organized they're able to be, you know. Exactly. So and that's as where many, a good plan comes into place. Right. So as many subtle things that you can do at point of, you know, it's any subtle like visual supports or anything you can do to provide those supports. I mean, they make these even, I, I didn't even put this in there. I'm just thinking about this. They make, you know, not every kid's going to wear one, but they make these bands, you know, they're, they're you know, like the rubber bands, mm -hmm. like you can wear on your wrist, but some of them you can actually write on or you can have things printed on them. Yes. So just I the looked work. at those. <laughs> yeah. Did you like, seriously, I know. So yep. we tried those, but the luggage tag thing actually works. I've had a lot of kids use the luggage tag because they like it. They can make, they can get a fun one. It's not that expensive. You know, I'm always very mindful of that. So it's a, it's just another great tip on, again, to, to support your child where they need support. Yeah. And this year we've actually gone electronic because it was such a battle. We were getting to the point where he was doing assignments two, three, four times and three or four of them a week because Ooh. they were lost. They He never remembered to do them. Um, they didn't get turned in, what have you. And it became just a monumental disruption in our lives and our family you know it was constant stress trying to get all this extra stuff done and and so I said you know if there's no paper to be lost if it's in there digitally and he can't lose it and he can share it with teachers via email or google docs you know and and so that's what we wrote into his IEP a couple of months ago and have I been trying that. to do it now unfortunately we got an iPad Pro so he could use the Apple Pencil because mm -hmm. it's like writing and you can write right on your worksheets. You just take a picture of them, complete them right on there. Um, they're $100 a piece. In five weeks, we've lost two already. So yeah. because there's no way to attach it to the case or whatever. So that's a work in right. progress. But other than that, it's been pretty successful. And he actually likes not having that stress of all the paper um he does buck a little bit being different than his peers but for the most part um he's been pretty successful with that so i think you know in this day and age some kids could certainly benefit from more digital or electronic organization yes yes i agree with you like we see it a lot with students who do the work actually but because they have to physically hand it in that's where the system fails them. Mm -hmm. So even as something as simple as being allowed to, you know, turn it in digitally right then and there at point of, I keep going back to that word, right yep. at point of performance. 
like if they're just allowed to do that, the difference in their grades, the difference in their scores, the difference in self-esteem is it's just to me so sad when a child does actually does the work, does it even well and then loses out because he just forgot to, you know, again, that remembering of handing it in. So that's an amazing, mm-hmm. ama- I love that idea. And I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's working because I don't know about you, but we, I see it a lot in my work that, you know, the trajectory of paper, you know, it's funny. We see so much, I find middle school is all about the paper. Yes. All about it. And yet it's very, if you really think about it, it's kind of crazy because it's all about the paper and yet they're not allowed to carry their backpacks. Mm -hmm. Now they, now they go to high school and it's less about the paper and yet they're allowed to carry their backpacks. Right. So something. <laughs> and they hammer home the oh. come to class prepared, but don't bring yeah. your backpack. Right. It's maddening. So I feel like it's, it's maddening to me that it really should be the reverse. Where in mm-hmm. middle school, if your student was allowed to carry their backpack, I think just in general, they'd be more organized and therefore more prepared Absolutely. and be able to find what they needed. So it's it's a head scratcher for me. It really is a head scratcher. Sorry. So they got computers. Every student got a netbook computer, um, which is part of our countywide um, mission to go more digital okay. in education. And so um, oh, three months into the school year, or so they all got computers, but they were still doing a lot of stuff on paper. So then he had this master binder, a computer, worksheets, and he's trying to put all this stuff on this little bitty desk and keep it all organized, you know. And so I ended up buying him a little, um, basically a computer briefcase, and it was small. Oh, wow. And so he was allowed to carry that to class. So he had the paper in it. He had the computer in it. He had pencils and calculator, all those things. But it wasn't his backpack. So he was allowed to carry it. So I think sometimes, you know, we can get a little creative with that, too. And, you know, I had even asked for an accommodation that he be allowed to carry his backpack. I didn't get anywhere with that one. But, you know, this other option came up. And so now he has the iPad instead of the computer. Um and he has everything he needs right in that little computer bag and in his pockets because he's a squirrel it away in his pockets kind of kid. But, you know, we're getting right. there. And that was super right. helpful. That is hugely helpful because you found a workaround. Exactly. Because, yeah, no, but if you think about it, a kid that has to remember all those things, plus maybe, you know, a, like a, a book they're reading or even if they're using an academic planner, it's just, mm-hmm. again, you know, people don't realize like, for the, well, maybe they do, for those particularly with attention deficits and everything else, that the more they have to do and the more they have to remember, it's like you're, you're, the brain is just firing off in all these, you know, synapses. It's like, it's almost mm-hmm. like your brain is having a heart attack, having to juggle and remember and, and keep track of. And it's, you know, you're just setting, you're setting your kid up. This is my feeling. So I'm so happy to hear you. You found a workaround. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah, we've worked hard to we keep Figure trying, that out. keep trying new keep things, trying. new tools, you know, but um, I think, you know, the, the big takeaway for parents is that to know that you can have some say in what supplies your child uses at school. You know, I think that's huge because a lot of parents, I don't think, feel like they can right. challenge that. Um, and if you do it in a kind and collaborative sort of way, it can be successful and 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 help your child succeed you know there are ways around their um their structure that they're asking 
us to use and asking their students to use. I agree with you, but I think also we didn't tap into this and I and I think it's it's worth mentioning is it's not only yes the parent knowing, wow, you know, yes, teachers are usually want they're on your side and they and they want your child to succeed so they're willing to work with you hopefully to mm-hmm. to do that, but it's also your child. I hear it a lot from parents who say, my teacher had no problem with it. My son's teacher was thrilled we found something that worked. It's my child who doesn't want to be different. Mm-hmm. It's my it's my child who's seeing everybody in math class carrying the two-inch red binder from Staples, because right. that's what the teacher said, and now he's carrying it. And I have to say, when I first started my business, that was probably what I saw the most. Over the course of like how many years have I been doing this? I hear from t- students more and more that it t- students are really figuring out ways that work for them, that you can walk into any given classroom. And I do sometimes still go into a classroom to observe kids and all of that. And I see this one has a master. This one has a clipboard. This one has an accordion. This one has whatever they have. So I'm hoping that we're, you know, we're seeing less you know, less of the student going, I'm not, I only want to use what the school wants me to use. So I don't have to be different because unfortunately those systems don't always end up. But if that is the case, then what I do is I really try to take what they're using and try to work it and do a workaround so that I can make it work as best as I can for the student Mm -hmm. and figure out ways to doctor it up, you might say, you know what I mean? Put in all the bells and whistles that will support the student within the confines of what I'm given. So there's, there's your work around there. Yeah. And my son has gotten better about that over the years. I think um, as he's grown and matured, he's realized that there are definitely ways for him to succeed that aren't the mainstream. He's kind of embraced that he's different. Um, He's found his tribe. He, you know, and and when they get to that point, then being different isn't such a big uh, hurdle. Right. I'm with you. The master binder was not a hard sell for kids because tons of them are using it. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming up with it's when you come up with something very original that no one is where the pushback came. So from from my son and my students, particularly those in the middle school, when I was doing that type of work, the, the master binder was the perfect was the perfect solution because they all had. Bi- oh, yeah, no, no. Everyone uses a master binder. Mm-hmm. Good. Shoot. All right. We're good there. Yeah, so, that's yeah. what they actually mm-hmm. taught in seventh grade here. Right. Everybody was required to get this binder and it had to zip because it was what they carried to and from class or have a closure. Right. And then in eighth grade, they threw that out the window already. But the wow. seventh graders are still doing it. And I thought, let's be consistent here. Let's be consistent here. But I want to say something about the master too. My favorite master binder though, and this not everyone knows, there are master binders. You know, when people think of a master binder, they think of this one big zipped up binder that has just, you know, like the rings, the three rings mm-hmm. in the middle. I don't use that one. I use the one they make that has two sets of rings. Mm-hmm. So it is my favorite thing on the planet for a lot of reasons. Number one, it distributes the weight better. So you're not having everything on one side. Oh, and then. Yeah. So that's number one. So the binder actually lasts longer. But what I also like about it is if you have a child that has AM classes and PM classes or A day and B day even, mm-hmm. there's a there's a natural way 
to diffuse it and separate it so it makes sense. There's a lot more flexibility within it to suit your student with the two sets. I'm so glad you said that because we're going in ninth grade to an A day and B day just for that one year, of course. Okay, of course. But to me, that seems monumentally overwhelming and confusing. So I think that's a great idea to either have separate masters or right. one side and the other side that that can right. be really helpful. I mean, I have I had a student, I will never forget this, who had two sides and they even had two pencil cases on each side. Right. You so just open the one side just, that day. Right, that day and <laughs> that's it. Right. And that's and that's all he had. And yeah. it was brilliant. It was like People are like, really? I'm like, listen, I've had students that have five binders and each binder has its own pencil case. They we've don't done have that. To... Of course, we've all yes. done that, guys. Yes. You know what? It's it's a small price to pay for. And I promise you, they get older and they figure it out and they're they're not carrying five pencil cases. And maybe they are. And if that's it, then that's it. You know, it's fine. If that's fine. what works. Works. Listen, I people ask me a lot about my son, who's now a freshman in college. And I'm saying, look, he obviously graduated to, you know, he doesn't carry a master anymore. He figured out systems that work for him. But yet what really works for him in college is having two sets of everything. So even down to the glasses, my son needs glasses to be able to like see boards and to read. So I'm lucky I can do this. I went to Warby Parker, which we all know is like the, you know, the, the least expensive glasses right now. And we bought two of the same glass and he keeps one on his desk and it never leaves his desk because he likes to work in his room at his desk. Right. That's what he did. In high school. And he keeps one on his backpack. So there's never this. I have to take this to this and back mm-hmm. and forth. It's like it's, it's like the textbooks. You know how like in high school, they always had two sets of textbooks. We we did, you know, he has two sets of tech, two sets of eyeglasses, two sets of pens, two sets of everything so that his backpack for even in college always has what he needs and that he can because you never know where he's going to be doing work, whether it's in the sometimes he's in the he stays in the building, he'll go to the library, he'll go with a friend to even back to a friend's room. So even the same principles have moved to the college level. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the less he has to think about what he needs to take, the less stressed and anxious he is and the better he's able to learn. Exactly. So and the other thing we did, and I know we're not really talking about college kids right now, but I get asked this a lot is as much as we could, we kept the organization that he had grown up with, particularly like Mm -hmm. the way his room was set up. We really tried to mimic it to his room in college. So, for example, You know, he has a dresser at home, you know, that he's had for however old he is. And it's always been the same, you know, whatever, T-shirt, short, you know what I mean, whatever, Mm -hmm. it aligned. So by the age of 18, he knew exactly there was no more thinking. Again, muscle memory. He knew which drawer had everything. When we moved him to college, I'm like, how do you want to set up your drawers? And he said, I want it to exactly be the same way I have it at home. Yeah. So the desk is the same, the, this is the same, the closet is the same to some degree. Obviously, you're in a much smaller space. But as much as we could keep the same pattern, so even down to his bedding, believe it or not, he did not, he wanted the same bedding because it just made the whole, like not, had nothing to do with yeah. transition. My son was ready to go, but it just kept, he said, the more my room looked similar, to the point where he looked around his room and said, I love those three posters. I want to buy them again 
and bring them to school and hang them. So I have to say, I really feel that helped his organization at school because we really were able to mimic what he was doing at home. And so the natural habits, the natural patterns, the natural routines were very similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my daughter is headed off to college this fall and she does not have an ADHD diagnosis, but she does have really significant anxiety. And that was one thing that we talked about and she decided was to take her bedding from home, her comforter and her pillows, and then she could get fun new sheets. But she had some of that feeling of Mm -hmm. comfort and being at home when she went to school. So it's good stuff. Right. But I really, but I really think if you're looking at how to take, you know, we didn't really talk about this transitioning, but I really, and I'm now when I work with parents, I talk a lot about how to trans, you know, we work a lot about transitioning to college and keeping the room as organized in a way as they have at home. Again, it's it's just again the brain is not having to go into overdrive. The brain right. doesn't is not being maxed out. Mm-hmm. They're all of that muscle memory that they've spent years building at home. You've now been able to translate to school, and I think that is hugely hugely helpful to Absolutely. acclimate your student. So I just wanted to share that as a tip and tool. No, I think it's great. And then, you know, parents of younger kids can be thinking about what kind of structure can I put in place at home that can translate later that they're going to take with them. That was part of the reason we went toward electronics is because as an adult, what is what calendar is he going to use? What you know, it's likely going to be a phone or an iPad or something. And so we started we wanted to start that earlier. And so 100%. by the time he's on his own, this is already habit. This is what he does. And it's successful. Right. So the joke in my house is, you know, we I have an I have a planner company and my son has been using our planner since I think I want to say seventh grade. So we make a smaller version for older students. And same thing last August before he went off to school, I sat him down and I said, you know, what do you want to use? Like, let's talk about how you're going. You know, we talked about all the stuff you need to buy, mm-hmm. but let's talk about what, and he looks at me and goes, what do you mean what I'm going to use? I'm using my, he goes, I'm using the academic planner. He's like, I'm not changing. And I said, <laughs> really, tell me why. I was curious. And he said, it's an interesting thought. He said, I know it works for me right now. I know it's worked. He said, I have so many changes that are going to happen to me at school. I don't want to have to learn another new thing. So smart. So smart. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, he's like, so I'm going to use the planner. And if I decide after freshman year that I now, obviously he puts reminders and things and alerts in his phone, right. but he likes to see his time like that. And he's almost done. And it's funny. We were actually on the phone, you know, and I said, how's the, you know, the we, I check in with him planner and he's like, I, I, I don't want to change. I It's working. I said, I'm a planner girl. I use paper still in my life. So I said, you don't have to. And so he's like, it, it was great because it was something I was so familiar with and so used to using. It was one less thing I had to learn. Yep. And I think that's, that goes to your point of like, just keep, you know, again, doing things early, keeping things going, getting things habitual and routine. Consistency. So, yeah. It, the muscle memory takes so eventually the muscle memory takes over mm-hmm. and they're not having to remember to remember it yep so i want to talk we're, we're running 
toward the end of time here, but I did want to try to talk just a little bit about organization at home, because Uh I know this is an issue for parents as well. It's not just school. Um, School tends to overwhelm our lives, but, um, you know, there's certainly expectations of our kids at home. And how do we support building those organizational skills at home? So I think there's a few things that need to be addressed in that. Con- there's a lot there. There's yes, a lot. of course. There's a lot. I know. No, no, no. I'm saying like that's such a great topic, but there's a lot to unpack. Um, and one of the like my first baseline, and you know that about me, I'm all about the baseline first. You can't just go in and have expectations. You got to understand first. Yes. And my feeling is I always say this to parents too. There's a big difference for your child knowing what they have to do versus understanding what it is you're asking them to do or understanding what it is they have to do. Mm -hmm. So let's go like let's use cleaning up your room. It's a great it's a great way organizing cleaning your room. Your child might know. Yes, I need to go clean my room. He knows it because you've been telling him he's been hearing it. But the better question there is, does he really understand what it is they have to do? So there's a lot of, so there's a lot to unpack there. So before we can even like expect your child to be organized at home, number one is, is the things in his room working for him? Can he easily access the closet? Can he even open the door? Is it in a place that's easily, you know, open, being able to open? Is the closet set up in a way that makes sense for your child? Is the, is there just one pole or are there cut, you know, shelves and all that, that actually makes sense and can it be easily reached is, does everything in everything in your child's room actually have a home and does your child know where those homes are? Maybe they need to be properly labeled because maybe you're setting up an expectation that just cannot be met. And therefore we're going to have, you know, your expectation, right. your expectation. But these are really important questions that I don't always feel get answered. So I'm all about like creating. So once those questions get answered and the room is in a way that makes sense for the child, can support the child, they can open drawers, they're easily accessible. Then the question becomes, do they understand what it is you want them to do? So I'm all about, I always say I'm more about directions than lists. Because if you put on the list, you need to clean your room, your child's either going to walk into their room and go, well, looks good to me. I don't mm-hmm. really need to do anything. Or maybe they'll throw some clothes in a hamper and they'll be done. Yep. So if you really want them to do certain things, make sure that it's broken down to things that they can actually, you know, that are, that are bite-sized, that they can kind of bite off of. So maybe you want them to clean up Legos is one of the things. So don't just say clean up Legos. It really should be directions. Legos on the floor. Legos go in the bin. The bin goes on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Clean all clothes need to be off the floor. Clothes on the floor, clothes in the hamper, hamper. Let's say if they're older, let's say to the laundry room. By doing something like that, number one, you've taken the dialoguing out of the equation. It's now about what they see and not what they hear. But you've now also in 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 direction format explained to them what it is your expectations are so that there's a level of understanding and there's there's no questions their brain doesn't have to kind of search for that answer so i'm not saying it happens overnight but at least you are supporting them again at the point of where you want them to do what it is you want them to do right so that whole concept of directions versus list is huge in my book 
no matter how old your child is. Mm-hmm. And that's creating a routine. And I talk a exactly. lot about routines and yes. and how they do. They take the ambiguity out of expectations. They are very definitive for exactly what um, you're expecting from them. They understand very clearly what your expectation is because your definition of a clean bedroom can vary wildly. Um, and, and by creating routines, you're creating habits. So later, exactly. you don't have to be there saying, exactly. your clothes go to the hamper, the hamper goes to the laundry room. Um, and I you know, tell people when you're going to use checklists, they have to be that broken down step do. by, step by step because that they, process for our kids and their minds is very complex. There's way more to clean your room. Th- you know, we right. take it for granted. Right. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. And the, and the thing is I get a lot of, my, my child will never, my child will never like build those habits. And I always bring it back to putting your seatbelt on because again, Never talking absolutes. There's still kids at the age of 17 that still need that. But for most part, you're, you put your child in the car when they were a little, 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 little kid. And you put the seatbelt on them every single time. So basically, you know, what you're doing there is you're modeling behavior. Mm-hmm. You're modeling it. You're showing mm-hmm. them every time you get in the car, honey, this is what mommy or daddy or the babysitter does. Yep. Now your child's gotten older. They can get in the back seat by themselves. You now maybe are in the front seat about to drive. You turn to turn around and you either say, does everybody have their seatbelts on? So now you've prompted the behavior or you can even say, what is it that needs to happen before I pull down the driveway, which I actually like better mm-hmm. because that's you're inferring. And now they have to come up with the, the response. Oh, they prompted me. Oh, what is it? Oops. OK, prompting. Now I put my seatbelt on. And then what we hope after that is that has all happened. And so you're just reinforcing it by saying, OK, we're getting in the car. All of a sudden, muscle memory kicks in. It becomes so rote that you equate getting in the car with putting the seatbelt on. Right, exactly. And But what we see a lot of times, again, not disparaging parents, is we get to, we don't do the prompting and we do, I'm sorry, we don't do the modeling, we do the prompting. We do the prompting, we don't do the modeling. And we expect them to just have it. And, right. and it doesn't work that way. You really need to move through those stages on anything that you want to solidify into anything, a habit, a routine, whatever you want to call it. And that that those set those steps have to happen for something to really, you know, become something. And we I don't always see that in my in my work. Yeah. And I think it's really important. And it comes to your point where you said, you know, I like better that second option of prompting them for the seatbelt. It's really important to get them to think through the process. So you're enabling them to learn that problem solving or that organization. So Uh you're thinking out loud with your child, you know, I'll say a good example is, okay, you know, you're in the house now, where do your shoes go? They don't go just where you took them off. But I could say, go put your shoes in the cubby or the basket or the closet or whatever. Or I could say, hey, where 
where do your shoes live? Where are your shoes supposed to be or whatever? And so I'm helping him and his brain has to make that connection. I think it, it makes that connection better in that instance. So, you know, I go through talking things out loud with him constantly and asking him to tell me where things should go. So I've pointed out that something is amiss Mm-hmm. Sure. And I will certainly support if he doesn't know what to do with it. But, oh, you know, getting absolutely. him to have that thought himself, I think, is really helpful. And um, right. it does it take a lot more time? Absolutely. You know, oh, teaching these it, skills takes a lot more time. A lot of time. But I call it it's very it's funny you said that because I call it I do a talk called creating problem solvers versus direction followers. Mm hmm. And that is yeah. exactly what I talk about in my talk. The other rule of thumb, and your listeners might get a kick out of this, is grow. Now, my kids are much older than yours. I neither one live at home anymore. But, but growing up, there was a rule in our house: if you did not ask a question, there was not an answer. And here's what I meant by that. So my son could stand in the kitchen and just yell at whoever maybe was listening, "I'm hungry." Okay. And the old me, when he was younger, would, would, well, I want to say it the right way, would answer the question without him even asking it. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. So mm-hmm. we, have, so I changed all that and would literally have a rule to this day even. Are you asking a question there? Is there something you like, what is it you need? Because just standing in the middle of the kitchen and yelling, I can't find the waffles or I'm hungry does not elicit a response anymore. You have to actually, because I want their brain to formulate even that questioning of I'm thirsty. Can someone help me get a drink? Which is fine. No problem there. But it's, it's, again, it goes back to that creating a problem solver. Just telling me something you're feeling does not really developing your brain is my point. Right. So that's, that's a rule we've had in my house forever. You don't ask a question. You don't get an answer. I like that. I'm going to start using that one. That's, That's a, good. A, yeah, we, we, and we still do. Even my kids are 19 and 23. And I still say that to them sometimes. <laughs> Were you asking a question in that in there? Uh, no, I guess I didn't. Is there something you need to ask? What is it you would like? Because... Again, even asking a question is problem solving. Mm-hmm. And problem solving is another one of those it's executive functions that yeah. they, you know, I mean, I, I feel like a very large percentage of ADHD is really executive functioning struggles. Um, you know, I think that's at least 50% of it. But um, and there are some experts who think executive functioning is hooey, but I see a lot of it and I feel like that's really, it it just explains so many symptoms so well. I think what executive functioning does is it takes this whole ADHD thing and really brings it to a granular level. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like Mm -hmm. when, when I, you know, we talk ADHD and it's kind of, it's big and it can be vague. And then I will talk all the time. I'll give, I'll give scenarios. So like my waffle story, people crack up at because every one of us, sees that happen in our houses. The whole, yeah. where are the waffles? I can't find the waffles. And there's usually two two responses. Either you tell them, which we don't want because we don't want that direction. Or we get a, another parent might be angry and go, are you serious? How long have you lived in my house? You're still asking where the waffles are? So I don't like either response. I prefer the response of asking a question. If you were a waffle, where would you live? 
Where was the last yep. time you saw the waffles? Where do you think waffles would be? That's so that's good. So, so good. That, so that's my, I call it the waffle syndrome. It's very, <laughs> and some people will come back to me. It's the soccer ball syndrome. It's the right. key syndrome. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. the, just the mustard for my husband syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I am the frontal lobe of my entire household, so oh, I understand quite well. Oh, me too, me too, me too. Yeah. So yes. So anyway, yes, yes, yes. So it all is interconnected. It's all like you can't have one without the other. Can't have organizing strategies and organizing systems and even maintenance if we're not if we're not strengthening the brain. Exactly. Yep. You're building that skill. It might be a lagging skill. They might be developmentally behind, but you know, our job is to build that skill so that they can succeed. Yes. You've offered a wealth of wonderful tips and I always love your energy. Thank you. And I think, you know, there's so much here that the listeners are going to be able to take and and put into action right away. Um, And like we talked about, your resources, organizing resources list will be on my website for download in the show notes. So it'll be at parentingadhdandautism.com. You'll go to podcasts and look for podcast episode 008. And you'll be able to download it there as well as we'll have links for the different things that we've talked about today and just kind of an overview there. So before we wrap up, Leslie, can you let our listeners know where they can find you, your web address, Uh, Facebook? uh Okay, so I like to make things simple. So our name of my company is Order Out of Chaos. Our website is orderoochaos.com. From there, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all of those, all the links are right there. And they can connect to our sister site, which is products designed with students in mind. And they can also access our free interviews, podcasts, newsletters, all that stuff. I want them to be able to go to one place and then from there find everything. One hub. One hub. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I know that this will be so valuable. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode and I'll see everyone next week. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit the website parentingadhdandautism.com for so much more on successfully raising kids with ADHD. Be sure to check out the podcast section as well for previous shows. Join us next time for more parenting strategies and insights that actually work for kids with ADHD.